understanding like what does health mean. So for me, it's it's really just it's balance in mind, body, soul. And so it's not just focusing on the food. It's not just focusing on exercise. It's actually for me the primary place that I focus is the mind. Welcome to an all-new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, Jamie. Hey, girl. Hi. So we have a really fun guest today, and she's somebody who I just recently met. Her name is Nikki Sharp. So first, I'm going to tell you how we were introduced. Heidi, I think I've told you like part of this story, but Nikki and I were introduced through part of our business development team, and they were like, you guys live in similar spaces. You run in similar circles. You're both wellness people and life coaches, and you guys should meet. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I started Googling her, and I started looking into her. I mean, Heidi, you've seen her Instagram, It's like right? awkward friend matchmaking in the workspace. <laughs> literal like tinder of friendship and I had seen and I'll get into her bio in a minute but I'd seen that she was a, a an international model turned you know life coach but man the girl was so damn pretty and I was like not that I get intimidated but like Heidi did you ever like get on a new call with somebody and you're like um what is this gonna be like like even when it's another woman right yeah no and that's why I said what I said I'm like it's like awkward mm-hmm. friend professional matchmaking it just feels so like i don't know like are you weird kind of mesh are you gonna hate each other right well that too right (laughs) so you know you see somebody who's really pretty and is like lives a certain kind of lifestyle and you're like i don't know is she gonna be is she gonna be too fancy is she too fancy for me so we get on this call you're pretty fancy jame i don't know you know what I'm pretty fancy in my sweatpants and slippers right now. Um, so we get on this call and let me just say this. So like we sat on the phone for like an hour and 17 minutes. We girl chatted like we had been besties forever. And by the end, we were showing each other like the new shoes that we both bought in our closets because we were FaceTiming and we just got excited. Aww. Like yeah. she was that cool, that down to earth, that amazing. And that's really what comes through with Nikki Sharp. So Nikki is a former international model turned health advocate, author, speaker, and transformational coach who's dedicated her career to helping people transform their lives through healthy living. Nikki shares her expertise through her best-selling books, including the five-day real food detox and meal prep your way to weight loss, as well as through her social media platforms. She has 500,000 followers on Instagram. I was like, whoa, girl. (laughs) And her podcast, A Sharper Life. Nikki's been featured in numerous publications and media outlets, including Forbes, Vogue, Huffington Post, Women's Health, Shape, and The Today Show. I'm very excited to share personally, this is Jamie, that Nikki is one of my featured workshop practitioners at my upcoming Reset Retreat in Orlando, Florida, taking place April 20th through 23rd. If you want more information on that retreat, you can head on over to www.thebigaskmethod.com slash retreat. I feel very blessed to have Nikki working one-on-one with my guests at this exciting immersive weekend. And while I'd love to have you there, dear listener, you can also just grab a bit of this Radiant Beauty's sunshine right here today through your headphones. Sounds amazing. So everyone, listen to this show if you're interested in personal transformation and want to learn tips and strategies for improving your mind, body, and soul, you're ready to make a real and lasting change in your life, or you're ready to drop old narratives that are holding you back and get real about moving forward. Nikki, thank you for being here. Okay, so I'm going to jump right into kind of your backstory. We just framed up all of your fabulosity of today, but like, let's take a step back. 
want to go back to the beginning. I want to understand when you started modeling. Cause I think those of us who came up like in the nineties, I remember watching all the documentaries and being so enamored by supermodels and then watching documentaries like, or not, it, what was Gia? Gia was like a, a biopic. And I remember being so enamored by the world of modeling, but also knowing that obviously it was ripe with its own set of issues. And so I'm wondering a little bit what your experience was with that scene and ultimately what made you make the pivot from modeling to what you do today. Absolutely. Like you, I grew up in the 90s. I put, you know, supermodels, photos, the magazine covers on my wall. And there was just, since a little girl, I've always been fascinated with beauty. Now, when I say beauty, I don't necessarily speak only to the body. I just, I've always liked beautiful things. I like beautiful clothes. I like a beautiful house. And it made sense that at the time it was like these glossy magazines. And that was back in the day when like there was Giselle and Kate Moss and Naomi Campbell. And there was just something about these women that it was their confidence. So it, yes, they were beautiful. And when I look back now, I'm like, wow, they were confident. They were beautiful. They had these covers. I didn't even know what fame meant. So it wasn't like I was necessarily seeking after fame, but I was always, a. I mean, I went through my phases. I think we all do growing up of, I was very tall and skinny for many, many years of my life. And naturally I was like, oh, I think I look like these girls body wise. And then I went through my skinny fat stages where I was still skinny, but didn't know how to take care of myself. So I, I got a little pudgy in places, but the dream, the desire never left. And I actually, it's funny. My dad just sent me photos from a from my childhood growing up. And my very first ever modeling photo was there. And I'm like, oh my God, it was so bad. I have acne. Cause this was back in the day before you did Photoshop on everything. I mean, they did on magazines, right. but like there was no apps to do that. And I had these overplucked eyebrows. This is at 15 years old. And I'm like, I'm going to be a model. And if you look at that photo in no way, shape or form, do I look like a model? I look like just a girl trying to be pretty a model. And I started kind of chasing after this dream where I did little gigs here and there in Colorado where I grew up. And then I went to LA for a year during college where that's when that's when the eating disorder one of them really started and it wasn't necessarily from the modeling world it wasn't like i mean my agency did say hey you do need to lose a little weight as i mentioned i was kind of skinny fat never really worked out but it was one the competition of like you're just surrounded by beautiful people and what i know now having done my own work is that it was a sense of I'm not good enough. And if I'm skinnier, I'll get more jobs. And so I went on super fasting diet, basically just didn't really eat very much for a year and got really thin, did more jobs. After I graduated college, I went off to, where did I go? To Shanghai. Literally, I graduated early with honors a year before most people do. And I'm getting on a plane going to Shanghai. And that was once again- By yourself? Where, or did your parents go? No, by myself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and so at 17, because I graduate, oh, so I guess I was 18 at that time. I graduated high school at 17. I kind of learned how to work through the system and I go by myself. I, I was used to traveling at this point by myself, but it was, I mean, Shanghai is like another world. It's unlike anything I've ever experienced. And so, you know, without going into too much detail of all the places I went, I've traveled, lived all over the world. The key things that happened was one, I learned this 
very independent sense of self of like, okay, I'm, I landed in Korea. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have money to use, you know, a, a telephone there. So went up to some random person saying, hi, can I borrow your phone at midnight to call my agency to see where they were? So it's this very like independent sense of self. And then the need to always look perfect. And it's a sense of control because the industry, you're so out of control. You have no idea whether you're going to be picked, whether it's someone else. And through the sense of control was a lot of the eating stuff that I went through and wanting to be skinny, feel better. And then when I did the international kind of circuit, I was 22, which believe it or not, is really old for a model. And that was really challenging because I've dealt with bad skin my whole life to the point where I remember being in the casting and looking at this one girl and just like, you know, googling Gaga over her skin because it was so clear. And I was like, what do you do for your skin? And and very kind of rudely, she was like, I'm 16. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. At 16, I did not have clear skin. So it's just this very sense of competitiveness. Your roommate everywhere you live is also the person you're competing against. And you're like, I remember being in Bangkok with my roommate and we would sit in the mirror and like analyze every area, every flaw. And she was like, oh, this one side of my chin is a different size. And maybe I'll get a a chin reduction. And for me, I always had a very small waist and bigger hips. And that's not what the industry wants. And so I had thought about, oh, I wonder if I can shave my hips, do a surgery Mm -hmm. to shave my hips. So there's a lot to unpack there as I've done in my later years to understand there's a lot of trauma that happens because you are being told you're not thin enough. You need to be this, you need to do that. You might be, you know, about to get a really big job and then someone else gets it. And so it took a lot of years for me to I would say build the confidence that I, it was a pseudo confidence that I had during modeling. And then a lot of years to build the real confidence of like, who am I? What can I offer the world that doesn't have to do with my physical body? And I was pretty traumatized for years after that of getting weighed or measured. Like in Bangkok, they they measure your neck, your arms, like every ounce of your body is measured and weighed and they would send you home if you gained weight. So there's a lot to unpack. I don't know if that was the answer you're looking for, but that's where it started of a lot of the trauma, let's say. Is that, I mean, it's fascinating to hear. So I, we don't know each other. I'm ha- really, really excited to be connected via Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. You know, she's raved about you and I've read about you and all that. But hearing you speak is so different. And I was a professional actor for many years. And I actually left the acting industry when I weighed nothing because I couldn't get out of bed anymore. But that's when I was booking all right. of the work. Like I couldn't be more employed couldn't have been crushing it more. And I literally couldn't get out of bed because I didn't weigh enough. So I can so, so resonate with this particular aspect of your story. And it's, you know, I made my own pivot then. I'm curious, is that, was that what made you pivot? Is like from modeling to coaching, was that your why or was it something else? I love that. I mean, what you share on that, because it is the acting and the modeling industry, they are so tough that the skinnier you are, the more you book and the more beautiful you look. And it's just, that's kind of what society has told us. I know it's gone kind of the other end now, but no, the, the shift, I never meant to become a coach. I never meant to teach any of this. I went on a multi, I mean, not that it ever ends, but a multi-year journey for healing at the end of the day, because I had two eating disorders. I was terribly unhappy. 
And it was kind of the like switching point for me was I went to see a doctor in London when I was living there. And I said, I think I'm depressed. I clearly have eating disorders. I'd like to go to an eating disorder clinic and get help. And in the UK, it's different because it's all public health care. There was a six month waiting list just to be seen, just to be seen by one person to see if they would then admit me. And I'm like, at this rate, I don't believe I have six months at the rate that I was going. And so my doctor put me on antidepressant medication. I took it for one day and I'm like, I am not depressed. I am a happy, bubbly, I've always been this vibrant light. And that was kind of one of those pinpoint moments where it was like, something's wrong. I need to figure out how to make a change. And a few months prior, I had gone home to Colorado and I did a 30 day challenge where I made every meal at home. And so that was a big thing for me where it wasn't because I would binge on takeout and all the things. And then I would restrict myself for the next day. And then because I was hungry, I would go binge. And so I decided that I was going to exercise every day outdoors and I would like bike rides, hiking, not because I was killing myself in the gym and that I was also cooking my own food. And in those 30 days, something miraculous happened, which was for the first time that I could remember in years, probably 10 years, I actually felt really good and I felt confident about my body. So cut to London where can't see the eating disorder clinic. I started learning about nutrition and I'm like, I realize, and it's like, it's so simple yet we don't realize this. For many years, most people eat good food, feel good, mm. eat bad food, feel bad. And so from there, I, I went into my first nutrition course. It was a weekend course and I loved it. I just, I fell in love with, with food, with superfoods, with understanding how the body worked. And that's really where it just became without, it wasn't a conscious decision to be like, I'm going to start taking all these health courses. I'm going to become a health coach. I'm going to become a yoga teacher. It was, I kept doing things in search of just making myself feel better. And along the way, I had an Instagram account where in 2013, I thought I was late to the game, by the way, in 2013, I was like, everyone's on it. I'm the last person. <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently I was one of the first. And <laughs> I had, I would post headless body shots of myself. So I, I would keep my face off of it and I would post photos and talk about very vulnerably what I was going through, my body dysmorphia. And I would post photos of my meals that I was eating to keep myself accountable. And I posted what's called Fitzbo or Fitzpiration. And that was all just for me. And people started following because this wasn't being done in 2013. And so then I remember, I remember the very first post I did sharing my face and I was terrified to do that. And I ended up writing this five-day detox program for me, only for me. And I, back in, you know, when the notes on the phone, on the iPhone was the yellow notepad and it had the lines. So yeah. I wrote a thing there and I screenshot it and I said, you know, hey, to my, I think it was like 5,000 followers at the time. Hey, I wrote this detox program. Do you all want it? And everyone was like, yes, 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 please. And I had written it based on the other detoxes that were available at the time. There was like two because juicing wasn't a thing yet. So there was a smoothie only one. And I'm like, I live in London. It's winter. I don't want to drink only smoothies. And the only other one was the Gwyneth Paltrow Alejandro Young 
it was like $400 for like supplements and things like that. And I'm like, I'm a broke model. I don't have $400. And, and then the other kicker to it was shape magazine, put a detox in their December issue. And it had, it was like, you know, have a, a little piece of salmon with six spears of asparagus. And I remember that because I'm like, well, one, I don't like salmon. And two, I would like to eat food because I know myself if I restrict. And so I created a program based on challenging myself, having all these nutrient dense foods and and ended up selling it as a PDF for five pounds or $8 for the US. And I really wrote that, or I charged that because I just figured people were going to come to me with questions. It wasn't about making money. So when the program started going like wildfire, literally 100,000 copies later, I'm like, apparently I have something here. And so people started following more and more. And the more that I learned, the more I shared. And so the journey itself, Heidi, has been, I've never intended to open a business. And I've always wanted to do something in wellness, but I never, I never thought that it would start from a detox. I never start that it would happen because of my own journey. I never, and even now in my career today, I teach what I know. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I'm always evolving and growing. What else can you teach? <laughs> exactly. How could you possibly teach what you don't? But yes. Yeah, so yeah. Long, long answer to your, your question, Heidi. Perfect answer. Thank it's you. Fascinating. First of all, I love it because I also always joke that I'm an accidental coach because I was a wellness influencer, a, a wellness expert on in the media. And I did a lot of things like that. And I, Heidi and I both are wellness experts. And so we got together and have a wellness podcast. And I was more of like a media centric girl and a B2B girl, meaning, you know, for people who aren't in the business world, that's more business to business. So I would work with big brands, as an ambassador for big brands, I never had what's called a B2C business. I was never really looking to be a business to consumer coach. Somebody suggested I take on a coaching client because I had this method that people were coming to me for in my DMs and I was accountability partners with like dozens of people at a time and I was just doing it ad hoc for fun because I believe in being like a motivation. I believe that helping other people is a motivation boomerang. You help them, it comes back to you. And so I was just helping people because I was also taught, I'm from like the 12-step recovery world. I've been sober 20 years. I was taught when the hand of somebody who, who needs you reaches out, you grab it. That's just what I learned, right? And then after I was like kind of playing with this method for years, somebody's like, you should take on a formal coaching client and see how it goes. So I ran a contest and said, I'm going to coach one person at a time. And that's how it started. And then it became the light of my life. So I'm wondering, Nikki, if that's how it started for you. And as it's evolved, what is your sweet spot now? Like, what do you exactly help people do? And how did you discover that you're so good at this particular thing? Because what I've heard is that people love working with you because you're so tough. So do you think that's true? I hear you're no nonsense. (laughs) So I want to know more about what it looks like to work with Nikki Sharp. Oh, that's amazing. It's funny because I actually just got off of my my group program we started today, this four-month container. So I'll answer your question. I'm going to jump around a little bit. We actually just got off call one for the next four months. And one of the girls who had done my last program said, my new goal is to, God, what did she say? My new goal is to Shoot, I I wish I had it written, but it was something of the nature of like, get the coaching by Nikki, get the Nikki wrath. But she said it in such a fun and playful way where then she explained, she's like, or someone else had said- Nikki Smackdown? (laughs) Yeah, getting coached by Nikki is like foam rolling. It hurts so good. (laughs) And that's that's because- I don't tolerate BS. I don't, I'm a no nonsense girl. And that's because I've done my own work. I'm constantly 
looking at myself, my own ego deaths, but I also make things very fun and playful. So when we're talking about heavy subjects or some sort of suffering that someone might be going through, I bring to light the playfulness in it. So even though I'm tough, I'm also incredibly loving and I hold space. And this is why people see the transformations they do and they love working with me. Now, to answer your question, when did I know that I was good at this or when did I start? Kind of much like you, Jamie, where I went to IIN, um, Institute of Integrative Nutrition, with no intention of teaching this to anyone else. But the thing is, I was already teaching it essentially on Instagram and people were coming to me and sharing their stories. And so I had a part in my blog, which was called Inspiring Interviews. And I would just interview people that were amazing, had overcome, just like your everyday Joe, who had overcome really incredible things. And in my, I actually dedicated my first book to specifically to this woman, but in general to the people that shared with me, I had a woman reaching out and emailing me back when, you know, I'd just written this detox program. I'm like in the thick of it with my own eating disorders. And she was saying to me, Nikki, you're my last hope. Like I go to McDonald's, I binge, my son's in the car, he cries. He says, mommy, please don't do this. Like Nikki, what do I do? So we had this beautiful email relationship where she was asking for advice. So I gave it to her and she would try things and it would work. And then I remember I was a PA at a law firm and the, one of the girls that was sitting next to me was getting married quite soon. And so she was doing, you know, the crash course of eating the things. And I'm like, well, you know, you could make this one little change. And she made these like two small changes and lost all the weight, felt great. And I'm like, I really enjoy this. Like, I really enjoy being able to help people with these simple changes that lead to massive impact. And it just, it started from there, much like you, Jamie. Like, it was just like these small things. And then I went to, I'd gone to IIN a few years later. So from that program, they make you coach. And so I priced it at, you know, ridiculously low costs just to get the practice. And back then I was teaching this dream binder that I have, which I've created and teaching them how to create their own dream binder. And over the years that morphed into this program that I call the ultimate transformation program, which is four months the one I was talking about earlier. And it is the most, I mean, it's the most incredible problem, much like again, your program, Jamie, it's, I work with women who very much are stuck in their story. They're suffering. They feel alone. They feel like they can't see the changes they want to. And it's just, it lights me up. It's the thing that I, I can be exhausted or whatever, feeling sick, going into these calls. And then we do these live calls and it's just, it gives me inspiration. And so never meant to, never meant to be here. It just happened. And now that I'm here, I'm like, oh, I think I actually had to go through all of the bad things I did. I think I did in order to get to here, in order to help people, because now I have fulfillment. Now I have happiness. And I do, I'll share this one very quick story. I remember when I was modeling I had a job. It was like a three-day job. And the paycheck at the time when I'm like 17, was it was a lot of money. And I remember thinking to myself, this much that I'm getting for three days work is one quarter of what a teacher makes in a whole year. And this was like two, three days. And I'm like, that doesn't seem fair to me. There was something that like just didn't resonate that I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm putting on an article of clothing. like, And I understand branding and marketing, but it just, something wasn't clicking. And then a few years later when I'm like super skinny and I, and I like remember it so clearly and like, 
I don't feel like a very good role model. Like here I am sick, anorexic, you know, showing off the clothes and doing the thing. And like, I wouldn't ever want someone to follow in my footsteps. And so, whereas now I'm like, yes, please follow my footsteps. I'll, I'll tell you the way I'll give you the guidebook. So it all just happened naturally through the evolution of me healing me. Making my master message. And I think, yeah, exactly. And I think that so many of I mean, I'm trying to carefully word this, but like very effective sort of guides or leaders or teachers or coaches do just that, right? I mean, like I resonated with so much of so many things you just said, you know, for me, I took a yoga teacher training because I wanted to learn more about yoga because yoga was the first thing that made me want to eat better for myself so I could feel strong doing arm balances. I wanted to feel strong. So I ate to feel strong rather than to restrict and be skinny. So I resonated so much with that, with the taking the courses to learn more about the thing you love. And, you know, so it's interesting because you went to nutrition. I went to nutrition too later, but (laughs) I first went to yoga. And so I think that we all have our own sort of version of what wellness feels like for us. Like what is well, what is strong, what is, you know, like what are your adjectives? So you know, look, anyone who can't see, you can go to your Instagram. You're obviously gorgeous. You're very fit. You are, anyone would look at you and be, and think she's clearly a very healthy, as you described yourself, light filled person. Like you're a light, you are, you you know, it's coming through the screen. I'm sure it's coming through everybody's earbuds (laughs) that is listening to the podcast. So can you give all of us your own personal definition of wellness? Absolutely. And I really appreciate that question because it's something that I ask whenever someone comes into any one of my programs, like I have one called the Sharper Health Program, where we dive deep into what health really is. And one of the the reasons that I do this and why I appreciate this question is that we all, you know, we say year after year, January 1st, I want to get healthy this year. I want to be healthy. And it's like, but what does that actually mean? And much like what you said, Heidi, I did my yoga teacher training. I did my vegan chef training. Like I what training haven't I done? I've done them all because I love learning. But the big thing, at least for me now, what health means is balance. And I was so off balance in either restricting or binging. I was, you know, raw vegan one time, and then I would go and binge on all the unhealthy things that were not raw vegan. And so for me, it's being in alignment with, which I get out of alignment. I'm a human being. There's times where I don't eat as I wish, but I, I think the biggest key factors that got me to being quote unquote healthy and having the body that I do is one understanding, like what does health mean? So for me, it's, it's really just, it's balance in mind, body, soul. And so it's not just focusing on the food. It's not just focusing on exercise. It's actually for me, the primary place that I focus is the mind. What am I thinking? Because we all have a narration in our head all day right? It's, it's the chatter. And so is my chatter positive or is my chatter negative? And for the majority of my life, the chatter was negative. And I would, you know, look in the mirror. Oh, you look fat. You don't look good. Your skin's like, no, 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 no. Now, do I still have days like that? Sure. But I'm able to switch the chatter off really quickly and be like, oh, right. Well, you didn't sleep very well last night, Nikki. So like immediately I, I stopped the monkey mind. And when I'm able to stop the monkey mind, I make a better decision naturally. So when it comes to food, what I really ask myself on any given meal is, will this make me feel light and energetic? Because I I like feeling 
energized and I like feeling light. Notice the word skinny is not in there. The word light is in there. Like I just, I feel bouncy. I feel joyful. Or will this meal make me feel full and heavy? And so I just check in and it's such an automatic thing now, but it's a great place. At least it was for me to start because look, I still eat pizza and like all the things that were restricted for so many years that I would binge on. Now I'm like, of course I want pizza, but I'm able to have two, three slices What and like no guilt. So then I don't binge the next day. And sure. I know if I eat a burger and fries might feel a little heavy the next, you know, an hour later, but I know that it was done in a conscious decision and it was done with joy. So now I'm like, oh yeah, I really want that. So it's, I would say a lot more consciousness around the choices that I make. And the other big thing that health means to me, instead of counting calories or macros or any of that, it's just how many colors am I eating? How many colors am I eating? So if I'm eating, you know, a salad and I describe this to you, so you have a salad, you have spinach, you put some cucumber on it. And let's say you, I don't know, chop up some cilantro. Those are three greens, but let's say then Heidi, that's your salad. And then Jamie, I give you that same salad, but now I've added on some sweet potato, which has that orange. I've added on some strawberries, which are, you know, beautiful pink, red. And then let's throw in, we have, we have some chickpeas. So we have that kind of beige color as well. And suddenly you have all these additional colors. Maybe we throw on, uh, you know, some beets, that beautiful blue purple, which salad sounds more appealing. What do you think? Heidi, yours or Jamie's? The rainbow. Definitely Jamie's. <laughs> I'm like, where's the sweet potato yeah. on mine? <laughs> Sounds delicious, actually. You made me want a salad. Right. And, yeah, and so do. this the reason that the counting colors, not calories works, and it's been it's just been the motto that's helped me is think about spring and summer and fall. Why are we so attracted to these? outside of the actual weather it being warm, it's because there's vibrancy in the color. The sky gets more blue. There's greens that pop up from the grass. There's beautiful flowers, different colors. So our eyes are naturally programmed in our minds to enjoy colors. That's why people get so excited about spring. That's why we don't like winter. Everything gets dull and gray. And so when you start counting colors in your meals, you naturally are already, I guess, satiating the thing in your mind that we do with, you know, the colors of the world. And in addition, when you count colors, you get all your different nutrients, phytonutrients. So like the other cool thing, and this is just as I learn more about nutrition, I'm like, oh my God, a walnut looks like the brain. A carrot, when you chop into it, looks like the eye. The tomato is like the heart. And then each one has corresponding vitamins who knew carrots are good for your eyes. It's shaped like your eye. And so the more that I learned about that, instead of it just being food, the more excited I got. And then that's kind of the, the long answer long for what is health. Yeah. Me. I think it's so fascinating just to be more inspired and mindful by your food in general. You know, so many of us look at it as utilitarian, or we just look at it as comfort, emotional support hamburger, or we look at it as something to punish ourselves for, but really thinking of it as joyful and inspiring and interesting and exciting. I think is such a better just mindset just to stay in your truth and your happiness about food. So as it pertains to food, and let me preface this question with this. I hate when people post a day in my diet on Instagram. I think we all used to do that, right? I mean, Nikki, I think it sounds like you came from the time period that Heidi and I both started our Instagrams. Heidi started as like a food recipe, vegan recipe account. Like people loved following her for her recipes. And we, I was 
because when you said that, I was like, shape made me post a day in right. my diet. I, I didn't choose it. I had the yoga um, <laughs> contributor for shape for a million years. And so, and I was the vegan one back then too. The vegan recipe yeah. developer. So we, we, we've all seen those day in my diets, but I think we've also all learned that they can be damaging because no two people should be a carbon copy of one another. Everyone needs different things. And so, but I do find it inspiring to learn what other humans who I admire and whose bodies, let's be honest, I think are beautiful and clearly well-nourished and well-conditioned and toned. I am interested in what they do in the kitchen and what they do in the gym. It doesn't mean that I am not aware that I don't need to carbon copy myself after them, but there's nothing wrong with being curious, having a curious mind. And I love to learn about people's different diet preferences. And what I've heard you say in this conversation is you were raw vegan. I heard you talk about hamburgers. I heard you talk about pizza. I heard you talk about salads. Could you tell us with that caveat, right? That not everybody's diet has to look exactly the same, but what does a typical day in your diet look like? Do you follow a specific, are you vegetarian, pescatarian? What do you do? I love, I really love and appreciate that you prefaced it with that. I do not, and I refuse to do a day in the life of my eating because it changes every day. If I have a bigger meal one night, I'm I'm gonna fast the next morning. So my number one rule of thumb is don't eat until I'm hungry. That's it. And not saying, so I've, I've trained myself enough that I can check in of like, what's my hunger scale? Because binges come from when you're at like a one, but it's that ravenous, I need something. You're not actually hungry. You have an emotional hunger. But when you get to a 10 out of 10 hangry, your body literally needs food. I don't let myself get there. So always around like, I don't know, a six is like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm actually getting pretty hungry. And there's times where like, I do get ravenous and then I always have something in the fridge. But that's why I, I don't do this, you know, what I eat because in general, I've just, I'm not a big breakfast person. I just don't like it. I'd rather eat a big meal and then I'm not hungry the next day. So I always start off with a liter of water in the morning. I know that it makes me feel good, starts my digestion. So take away all the health benefits. I've trained myself to like water. It's like literally as simple as that. And people that are like, oh, I don't like it. Well, then you got to remind yourself of the health benefits. And so I got myself trained on water by putting mint tea bags inside of it. And a cool little trick is that I would take a, a big one liter and your water does not need to be hot for the tea to brew. So I'd put a mint tea bag in and voila, I have nice tasting water. Or I'd put like, you know, lemon and limes and make it colorful. So I taught myself how to like water. So I, I do about a liter of water. On occasion, I'll put some apple cider vinegar because I know it's good for me. I don't think there's anyone who like looks forward to drinking like apple it. cider vinegar. Weird? So I think I, I'm a weirdo. It's like pickle juice, James. I know. <laughs> do you, I mean, so I like it too, but there's, I mean, there's people of different sort of cravings. Yeah. I like it in like a small dose, but like a shot of it, I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, right. great for my it health. Burns. Yeah, <laughs> it burns so good. So I, I mean, on occasion I do that pretty much around lunch and it, it changes so much. Like I'll order a sweet green salad and just when I'm really busy work-wise, I, I do order in more. I find that it's actually fine. So on my salads, I put as much as you possibly can. So me and my husbands are are quite funny where I put so much that it ends up lasting me two meals because if I were to eat that much weight, it wouldn't be good. But on my sweet green salads, I do either arugula or romaine. I always put wild rice. I put lentils. I put chickpeas, tofu, cucumber, broccoli. Oftentimes I'll do the feta cheese, roasted veggies, avocado, cilantro, beets, 
I don't like tomatoes. I wish I did because they're so beautiful, but it's very colorful, very heavy, dense in terms of the food. What works better for me and lots of trial and error, I've never liked fish. I wish I liked fish. I've tried fish under every aspect of the sun and someone will be like, oh, but this is the least fishy fish. I'm like, right. It still tastes like fish though. (laughs) So I just don't like fish. I going through nutrition school and all the courses I've taken, I went off chicken years ago. So I don't eat chicken. I really just go like what makes me feel good. What makes me feel best is a plant-based diet with a ton of carbohydrates. And so I know this is coming from the girl that was terrified of carbs. But now I'm like, if I don't have at least the rice or quinoa and the black beans and like two types of quote unquote carbs, I'm not happy. It doesn't nourish me, fulfill me. So I I eat a very plant-based diet. I call myself a vegan who cheats in that I'm mostly vegan because I feel the best, but then outside of that, I'll eat a really good steak filet mignon, but it has to be either from like a really, really high-end restaurant where I know the quality is good or I buy it from Whole Foods. So I do that like once or twice a month And that would like include a burger in that. I love cheese. Cheese does not love me though. So my, although I will caveat that with cheese in Europe is much different because it's fermented for longer. So I I don't get the stomach issues that I do, but I do eat eggs for years. I went off of them. So I'm really just listening to my body. Like right now I'm off mushrooms. Can't stand them. Don't know why. But here we are. And so it's just, I'm always checking in with what looks good, what tastes good. And I realize that not, you know, like some women do better with pescatarian. For me, I will literally starve to death before I would be (laughs) a pescatarian. Level of intuitive eating is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah, Heidi's an incredible vegan. I and I say incredible but vegan because she's my best friend, and I call myself vegan. But also, I like she. I don't eat animals, but I do. I, sometimes I'll have things that have whey protein in them, or like my husband and I like will let our kids have like chicken nuggets if we're at a restaurant because I'm like, Ugh, I just can't. You know, it's like it's too hard. Heidi is a, a principled eater, and her kids have learned to have this incredibly sophisticated palate, and I respect it so much. But she respects my flexibility. And I think it's just really interesting to hear how different people navigate, you know, there are different styles of eating there's so many ways forward. And that's why I think the day in my life, my diet has been so damaging because people think I'm doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. This is the only way. Right. Right. What I would say to that is we go through seasons. We are also meant to be eating seasonally. So that is why during winter, we crave more stews and soups and that kind of more grounding. It's why when you're sick, you want chicken noodle soup. Well, because chicken, they have a very like high vibration energy. So it's to make you feel better to rise your energy. Then you go to summer and the body naturally, if you pay attention, wants more raw cooling things. So in Ayurveda, more of the pitta style fruits and vegetables. And so Mm, one, we should- Pitta being airy. (laughs) We should all be eating more seasonally, just point blank. Like that's in general, people that are drinking like totally cold smoothies in winter. Okay. That's great. And you also need that more grounding food, but here's the other interesting thing. We all go through seasons in our life, depending on where you live, depending on what age you are. If you're in a relationship, like I eat differently now in a relationship than I did when I was single. And I eat 
ate differently five years ago than I eat now. And I'm sure, you know, come five years, something will change. And so for anyone to sit there and think they're doing it wrong, it's like, no, but are you comparing yourself to me now today? Or are you comparing yourself to me when I didn't eat eggs a year ago? That's why we can't compare and do that what everyone's eating sort of thing. But inspirational is great. I say this to all of my yoga classes, probably it's not about what there's no wrong. It's only what's right for you right here, right now. Yes. Because of the seasons, because we're all unique individuals, because there is no one size fits all prescription for eating. There's also no one size fits all prescription for movement, right? right? <laughs> it's like, I personally have been through so many things. Like, and I, I have found, even though I try so hard to vary it up the way that my body feels the best is yoga. I mean, I throw cardio into my yoga. Like that's my whole jam, but anytime, like I used, Jamie knows, like we both, you know, have our soul cycle love and I would try to go to soul cycle, but like it actually made my thighs thicker and it didn't make me feel good. And I was starving after. And I, the, when I feel my best, my most vibrant, it's from yoga. I also could do that with swimming, but I can't swim. In, I don't like swimming in the winter. It's not my jam, <laughs> like outside swimming in the heat, um, seasonal. Right? <laughs> so what's, what is your favorite way to get your sweat on? Do you mix it up? Do you stick with one? Are you seasonal? Mm with your workouts? I love yoga. I actually, unfortunately don't have a studio where I live that I've found that I really like. And yoga for me is I do about 10 minutes every morning or at some point in the day, every, every day I do 10 minutes because I've trained myself much like the water. I just feel good. I feel good. I feel better. So we just went on our honeymoon, me and my husband, and I brought a travel yoga mat. I did that because although the hotel of course would have one, I'm like, I'm not going to like it. It's not going to be sticky enough. And maybe, you know, if we're going into the lounges and we have a few hours, I'll bring it, roll it out. And so I do yoga. I have found, I used to be the soul. I still love soul cycle, but I was the equinox girl pounding it out high intensity. And I, and I loved it. It made me feel really good. And I would, you know, sprint on the treadmill, hit training and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, obviously gyms closed down. So I, I learned a whole new style of training and I started getting into Pilates and sort of high intensity Pilates a bit. And I loved it. And I saw even bigger changes in my body. And I'm like, interesting. And it's now to the point where the high intensity kind of like dancey cardio Pilates style, I'm like, oh, that's, that's too much for me. I don't like that anymore. So the more, and this goes hand in hand with masculine feminine energy, the more that I've tapped into that feminine energy, the slowing down, the more my body has seen results from the, the really low impact mat only Pilates. I'm obsessed. I love it. I do 20 minutes. That's it. Honestly, pay me to do a 30 minute class at this point because I, I don't want to, but I probably do like four times a week of my Pilates. And, and it's high intensity in the sense that like she kicks your booty like Jesus, but I'm not like dripping sweat. I'm not jumping up and down. And then I, I go for runs. Like I do everything in kilometers when I run. And, and actually you'll laugh. The reason I do kilometers is one, I've lived all over the world and they everywhere else uses that system, but I do it because it's shorter, meaning that I'm tricking my mind into, oh my God, you did three kilometers in five minutes and 30 seconds. I wonder if you can do it in five minutes and 24 seconds versus a mile is like, oh, you did that in like eight minutes, 45. The next mile is going to be like 830. That's a good hack cool. for your brain. I like that. It is such a it good, it's kind of the, hack. you know, do it for five minutes, see how you feel. So I get myself to run longer by this little hack by, so I've switched all my apps to kilometers. I love just putting on my shoes and just 
going. Like it's just, it's a moving meditation. I don't try to run super fast. I just go that plus the yoga, like that's it. I'd like to get out more. I'm just, I'm in a very, very busy season with work right now, which is an excuse. I'm very aware of that, but I don't beat myself up. If I don't, then I count my 10 minutes of yoga as my exercise for that day. And I'm like, great, cool. Did that. And there's other days where I don't, and I sit on the couch and I'm fine with that too. So I do things now because I like to feel good. And the more that I've slowed down and the more like yoga based things or the more Pilates, I just, my body has shifted. I feel stronger than when I was lifting weights or doing things like that. So that's my, my long answer long. Love it. Well, as we round the corner to the end, I, you did mention your recent honeymoon. So I want to get a little personal. You and your husband are so cute. You're definitely relationship goals. <laughs> Can you tell us? Cause people love to know this stuff. How'd you guys first meet? And in your opinion, I know this is like a loaded question, but do you have any tips to a, the secret for like a happy and successful relationship? What makes it work for you? <laughs> it just the sounds like you a, said that, a loaded Jamie. question to be asked. Oh my it's God. Five minutes, Nikki. Can you tell us how to have a happy no, and successful I relationship? I I'm love curious. it. If there's one or two things that works for you guys, tell us what they are. Sure. Sure. So I'll, I'll give the really quick story how we met during COVID. I had decided that sort of consciously, sort of not, but like I was focusing on me. I was falling in love with me. I was doing everything for me. I was booking massages for the lady to come. I was lighting candles. I, I even had a friend come over one time and I had candles and all these lights and jazz music. And he was like, you do not do this when you're by yourself. And I'm like, no, 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 I really do. And so I started treating myself in the relationship that I wanted to be in. So, and because of that, then I was like, I'm focusing on girlfriends. I went to St. Lucia during the pandemic when things were like ish kind of open, who knew countries were sort of opening. And I got a message from someone in my spam folder. So I have three folders in Instagram. I have my, my primary, my general and my spam. And I still check everything. I write back to everyone. It's all me. And I checked the spam. It wasn't just like a, hey, you're hot, you know, sort of message. It was, hey, I see you're in St. Lucia. I'm going there for New Year's. I'd love any tips. And and I wrote back just like, yep, it's open. Do you just need the da, 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 whatever. And then he wrote back and was like, you know, I love what you're doing. Everything's really inspiring. You're like creating your own brand. Sorry if I, this is too presumptuous, but what do you look for in a partner? And I'm like, wow, what? That's bold. What? Yeah. <laughs> That was bold. And I did not give a very good response back. I, I, because he had a private profile, Ooh. no photos. And I just, I was like, who are you? Ugh. And he gave me like a page long thing of all the things about himself. So because he was vulnerable and open, it very, it allowed me to then be vulnerable and open. And we, it was the first time in history that I had spoken to someone for three weeks, only texting before we did a phone date. He lived in New York. I lived in Miami. We did a phone date. That was great. The next week we did a FaceTime date, awkward AF. And then that went well. And he said, can I come to Miami and take you out? I said, yes. And then I was going for New Year's to the Caribbean to be with a client who'd asked me to come out. And he was like, you know, this is kind of crazy. You can say no, but what if I came there? I understand you have to work. And I'm like, yeah, great. Let's do it. And, and my answer was, as long as you're not coming only for me, Don Nikki, <laughs> he's coming for you. But anyways, he came and I got to see him interact with my client her family. And so the rest was kind of history. We actually knew within one month that we wanted to get married. It was just, I never believed in the, you'll know when you know, I was like, that's BS, but it happened. And we got engaged in theory within three months, but like fully engaged within six months. And we, we'd already started planning our wedding before we announced our engagement, like three months in, we started planning the wedding. So that's how we met. 
we've been together two years, so I don't know if I'm the best person to be giving advice for a, you know, how do you keep things fresh and good? But what I will say is there has to be similar values. I think that was like the biggest thing for us. And we talked about everything at the start, like no topic was off limits because I, I don't want to get in a relationship with someone and a possible long-term if we have a value misalignment. Do we have entirely the same values? No. But really the core ones I would say are similar and we both have a deep desire for growth. So it's like we both understand we are not the same people we were and we understand that there's childhood trauma and various things that are going to come up and we're going to project onto each other. And so it's it's doing the work both individually and together. And I would say the last thing, it, and I don't want it to sound woo-woo. I mean, it, maybe it does, but the last thing I would say is really focusing on just playfulness, keeping it fun. So like my favorite, we travel all over the world. I live a very, you know, Instagrammable bougie life. I'm aware of that. And I've worked really hard to get here. But what I would say is my favorite moments with him. It's like when we're just at home, our cats being a little nugget and like whatever he's doing. And we're just, we have music and we're talking about our day and we're laughing. So keeping things fresh and fun however you can and we throw in travel into that and he goes out with his friends I go out with mine so hopefully that answered the question within the time frame I love that story that's um that's wild that you guys yeah. like he literally slid into your DMs oh, and married and sorry, you. The, the thing I'll say that we did meet via well he saw me on a dating app he never came up for me and the funny thing is if he'd come up for me, I probably wouldn't have swiped right for him because I was like, yeah, it's funny. He's like kind of cute. Uh, he's definitely, he's become more photogenic since we've been together. I wonder why. <laughs> oh, please. I got my husband out of mom jeans. Don't worry. Right. Oh my God. So I, I probably wouldn't have swiped, but then he and his profile didn't even show up for me is the thing. So I showed up for him. You can follow on Instagram. He did started checking me out. So he already kind of knew what he was getting into. That's why I was like, who are you? What is this? And the other thing just to mention here and, and why I want to say this is when we started hanging out and talking, I was like, all right, cool. That'll be like a fun fling. He lives in New York. I live in Miami. I get to travel during the pandemic. Like, great. I never thought it was going to be anything serious, which was good because it meant that I never put expectation that it needed to be. The moment anyone puts expectation, it turns to resentment, disappointment. And so literally from day one, even when I said, I love you, which I said first, I did tell him like, I want to be with you. I do love you. I can see us together. And if God has a different plan for us or universe, whatever you want to call it, if we're not meant to be together, I'll be really, I'll be sad, but I'll be really grateful that you came into my life, but I'm not expecting that this needs to go a certain place. I'm just, I'm here for the ride. And that's, that's how I take it every day. It's amazing. Thank I you. love it. We're running out of time and I want to round the corner to the end and I don't want to miss yeah. this last question because I just wanted you, if you could, and quickly, we don't have to go deep in the weeds, but if people are coming to the Reset Retreat, which of course we have coming up April 20th through 23rd, if they're coming you will be there with us for the whole time. But on Saturday, you're doing a workshop there. Yep. for our guests. And I'm so excited for that. What can people expect? Oh, I love it. I'm so excited for it, honestly. What can they expect with me? Well, one, there's going to be a lot of looking into your own life to see where 
you are sabotaging yourself. You are holding yourself back. And I think it's so important to do that work because it's great to set a goal. It's great to sit there and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this when I go home. But if you don't understand what's actually been holding you back in the past, so understanding your obstacles, your fears, and we're not going to go into it too deep where anyone gets scared, but it's everything that I do is fun. It's deep and it really helps you to see radical transformation. So what I say is you're going to see quick results with anything that I do. And even if it's one session, quick results, but lasting change. And so I don't want to give away too, too much of this session other than it will be absolutely transformative because that's, I don't know how to do anything other than that. That's your jam. I love that. I'm so excited to spend more time with you, Nikki. We're going to be like fun in the sun and all of that great stuff and then doing this important work. So thank you so much for being a part of that and for shining your light on us. We have one final segment that we always do. It is called Karma Call. And I'll hand it over to Heidi. Beautifully said, James. Thank you. Nikki, you probably know that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing, inspiring guests, that is you. What is one small actionable item that our listeners could try out for a short period of time that would yield a large result? Small action, big result. Love it. So one thing that I have clients do, it's called the smiley face journal and I'll share it very quickly. So you can go to my Instagram to see it, but I'll, I'll describe how you do it. So you create columns for each day of the week, and then you choose three goals that you're going to do. And the, here's the caveat. The goal has to be something you can do every single day. So if you say, you know, I'm going to go to a soul cycle class every single day, well, your body's probably going to get sore. You're not going to go. Maybe, you know, you're traveling. So you make it stupid, simple, stupid, simple goals. Like I'm going to drink warm lemon water in the morning. And so you choose three of those, or you can just choose one. The goal is to set yourself up for success that you get all smiley faces. So if you do it on a Monday, you give yourself a smiley face. If you do it on Tuesday, you give yourself a smiley face. If you don't do it, you give yourself an unhappy face. And the reason that this works is because it hits the dopamine receptors. Like when we get a like on Facebook or the Instagram, you know, love, that's why we check our, our messages, see how many we have, because it's, it's hitting that dopamine receptor. So what you're doing is giving yourself self-acknowledgement of that dopamine that you control. So instead of external validation, you're taking it within. And the smiley face journal is one of the most powerful tools that you can try and implement. Clients become obsessed with it. If I don't do my smiley face journal, I don't take my supplements. It's as simple as that. And it sucks to give yourself an unhappy face, but it's really rewarding to give yourself that happy face. And then you're building up the habits so that they become, you're creating new neural pathways so that you don't even have to think about like yoga. Yoga was on my smiley face journal week after week after week. And now it's become a habit, you know, lodged into my brain, 10 minutes yoga, you feel good. So I don't need it on there, but I would absolutely say for someone to try that, or, you know, if you have questions, you can message me about it. Maybe we'll go over that actually as well in the, the retreat. I think I'll include that. I love that as a takeaway. So if you do want to message Nikki, Nikki, can you tell everybody where you can be found on the gram and anywhere else that you want to direct people? Of course. I, very easy. Nikki Sharp everywhere. So if you just Google me, all the things will come up. But I, I love speaking to people. I love when people reach out and for, especially from podcasts and say, you know, hey, I, I found you from this podcast and here's what I learned. I love connecting with people, but it's Nikki Sharp on Instagram is the main place, NikkiSharp.com. And thank you so much for having me. What great questions, ladies. Yeah. 
We loved it. What a fun girls chat. Thank you for joining us and thank you for joining us at home. Don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast and don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next time.